All right, so we left off last time in verse number 11. So we will pick up in verse 12 tonight as a quick recap. Paul was telling us uh, there in verse 9 down through verse 11, uh, he's talking about the mystery uh, which was hid in God. And that mystery is uh, the plan of salvation that Jesus Christ uh, would be the Messiah and that he would bring together uh, the Jews and the Gentiles into one body and into one church, into one building. Um, and that was to show uh, everyone, the principalities and powers in heavenly places, uh, the manifold wisdom of God and how that uh, his wisdom is beyond comprehension for us. And then in verse 11, we wrapped up with the fact that it was all according to his eternal purpose, uh, which he purposed in Christ Jesus. So uh, all of that that happened uh, was because that's what he wanted and that's how he purposed it. So we pick up there in uh, verse number 12 and it starts out and says, in whom, uh, and that in whom is Jesus Christ because we just uh, finished Verse number 11, Paul just uh, finished it speaking about Jesus. So in Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So as Christians, Paul is telling us that we can and should be bold as Christians. Now, there's a difference in being bold and being rude and being mean. We can have confidence. So how do we have confidence in our own works, in our own selves, in our own ability? No, we have boldness and uh, access with confidence by faith in Him. It's through Christ that uh, we have confidence. So how can we have boldness and confidence? It's because we have the ability uh, to take our petition straight to the throne of God. And our boldness comes from the fact that we have access uh, through Him by our faith. We're bold because we get to step into the presence of Almighty God on a daily basis. And we have access uh, to God the Father. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1-3, through 3, he says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That advocate means a person that stands in our place, kind of like a lawyer. If we go to court, a lawyer would stand in our place and speak for us because the lawyer knows what to say and we would mess it up. We, we would make ourselves look guilty uh, if we tried to defend ourselves. The lawyer understands the law and understands what to say and how to say it. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus stands in our stead before God the Father. And that's Jesus Christ the righteous. In verse 2, he says, And he was the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation means the satisfaction. So our sin debt was satisfied through him. And not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. He said, Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. For Christ is not in Hebrews chapter 9, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So that's why we have boldness. That's why we have confidence. Not because we are righteous in and of ourselves, not because we have the ability, but because that Jesus Christ stands in our stead and He speaks for us and our sins have been forgiven because He is the satisfaction or the propitiation for our sins. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't go to God the Father on our own merits. We don't go to God the Father based on our own uh, righteousness because the Bible tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. The best that we can do is not even good enough to be brought at the feet of a holy God. But it's through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we have redemption, that we have um, the satisfaction of our sins, and that uh, we have uh, boldness to enter. So then in verse number 13, he says, Wherefore, or because we have boldness and access with confidence, he said, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So what Paul was saying here is he's trying to encourage them. Can you imagine uh, being a Christian and the Apostle Paul being the man at the time that's kind of leading the charge uh, and he's come onto the scene and now he's been cast into prison. He, he's been attempted murder. They tried to kill him and now he's cast into prison. And the fear that must have been in the hearts and the minds of Christians at that time seeing what was going on. But Paul says that he desires that they faint not according to his tribulation. He says, don't give up, don't quit, don't worry about this. He said, this is for your glory. Now, what in the world does he mean that Paul said, my tribulations are for your glory? If you think about it, God sent Jesus Christ to die in our stead. And then the greatest man other than Christ, the Apostle Paul, the one that brought the gospel to the Gentiles, to the world, and revealed that uh, God was bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together in one body, in one church. He also suffered and was attacked and had tribulations. And it was all for our glory. He said it was for their glory so that they can be glorified, so that we can be glorified. God did not spare his son, and he did not spare the great apostle Paul, and he did that so that we could be glorified. And I don't know about you, I've always felt like a person should pay for their crimes, right? If somebody uh, breaks into somebody's house, they should pay for that. That's justice, right? They, they should... Uh, go to jail and serve out their term. If somebody assaults somebody or kills somebody, another person, uh, they should have to pay for that crime. Well, I believe that. 
Well, if I really believe that, then I should have to pay for my crimes as well. I should have to stand before God and pay for my sins and pay for my crimes. But yet I don't have to because of God's grace and because of his mercy. And Jesus Christ said, I'll take that debt and I'll pay for that sin. And he did that for not only just for me, but also for the whole world. And Paul was going through all this for them on their behalf. He was going through all this, not only for those people uh, that were alive then, but we know that uh, this book was written by the Apostle Paul to all Christians. Uh, so he was going through those tribulations for you and I as well. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that's what Paul was telling them. He's saying, don't quit, don't give up. It seems like um, sometimes the devil can just wear us down, don't it? It seems like we can be strong and we can put up a good fight and we can go for days and days and weeks and weeks. And when weeks turn into months, we start getting tired <laughs> and we start saying, when am I going to get a break? Come on, God, give me a break. I, you know, I want to do what's right. I want to stand up. I want to be bold. I want to stand up against the devil and, and the demons of hell. But sometimes... We get tired and sometimes it starts to take a toll on us physically, emotionally, spiritually. And Paul understood that. Paul of all people understood that. And he was saying, faint not. Don't worry about what you're seeing uh, going on. Uh, that is for your glory. Now in verse number 14, he says... For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For what cause? What is the cause that Paul is talking about? Well, this cause is that they be strengthened and that they not faint. He's saying, I bow uh, my knees unto God the Father for you for this cause. In other words, Paul's saying that he is praying for them that he is interceding for them on their behalf that they would be strengthened, that they would be encouraged, and that they would be able uh, to fight the fight. Now, not only that, but Paul gives us a good um, glimpse into a proper prayer life to where he says that he bows his knees. So you notice in verse number 12, Paul talked about us having boldness and having access with confidence by faith in him. He said we can go straight into the throne room of a holy God. But then in verse number 14, he says, I bow my knees. So we have to remember that even though we can have boldness, we can have confidence and we can walk right up. We can take our petition straight to the Lord Jesus Christ and straight to the throne of God. We should do that uh, with a bowed knee. Uh, we should approach him with reverence and admiration. God's not a good friend. He's not a buddy. God's our heavenly father. And we should, we should approach him with respect. We should not abuse his mercy. We should not abuse his grace. We should not treat him like a spare tire, like uh, Pastor Gary spoke about uh, this past Sunday. We, we should reverence him and we should be in awe of him and we should be fearful of him. 
I'm not fearful of God in a sense that uh, God's going to come and get me, but I'm fearful of him because of his awesome holiness, because he is so holy and he is so high and he is so great that 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 should make all of us bow our knee before an almighty God and show him reverence and grace and praise. Then we see in verse number 15, talking. he just got through talking about uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, or the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about God the Father. And then in verse number 15, he says, Of whom, of God the Father, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So what, what is he talking about when he says the whole family of heaven and earth? What he's talking about here is he's talking about the Old Testament saints of God. Okay, he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, all these uh, Christians that have gone before. He's talking about the holy angels in heaven. He's talking about those Christians that are alive on the earth. And he's talking about all the Christians that will be after him before the end of time. He says we're all going to come together as a family and we're all named after him. So we're all children of God. He's everyone's father. He's not just the father to the Jew. He's not just the father uh, uh, to the Gentile. He's not just the father to, to men, not just the father to women. He's not just the father to adults. He's the father to children. Anybody that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, God becomes our father. And it's uh, the Word of God teaches us and tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. We have just as much right to God as our Father as Christ Himself. Now, I don't understand that. I don't know how in the world that God can put little old me on the same level of Jesus Christ or why He would do that, but that's what He did. And it was according to his purpose. It was because he purposed it that way. And he chose to do it that way. And the only reason that you and I are going to get there, and the only reason that you and I have that access, is because of what the Holy Lamb of God did on the cross. So then we jump down into verse number 16. So he just talked about that the whole family of God is in heaven and his name were all the children of God. And he's talking about bowing his knees to the Father and praying for them. So what is he praying for? Well, he's praying that they faint not. And what is he praying? See, we can take a, a lesson out of Apostle Paul here about intercessory prayer and how to pray for other people. Did you know, and I'm sure all of you do, we can pray for people that don't have problems? Somebody doesn't have to be in the hospital to be on our prayer list. Somebody doesn't have to have some kind of sickness or disease. Somebody doesn't have to have a death in the face. Should we pray for those people? Absolutely. But we can pray for people that aren't going through a tough time, that aren't having, uh, uh, you know, some kind of... Uh, physical ailments or whatever. And that's what Paul was talking about here. So what was he praying for? Listen to what he said. Um, that in verse number 16, 
What's he praying for? That he, being God, would grant you according to his riches of his glory. Notice he didn't say according to your good works. According to the fact that you deserve it. According to the fact that you earned it. That's not what Paul said. He said that he's praying that God would grant us according to the riches of his glory. What? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So do you know what we could pray for for our pastor and his family, for the deacons and their family, or for our brother or sister in Christ? We could pray. They're, they're not going through a hardship right now. They're, they don't have a, a, a bad medical problem or whatever. But we could pray for the strength of God. We could pray for, for, for inner strength and for courage to be able to get through the day. Because you want to know what? It's hard. Just life itself is hard. It's hard on all of us. And then when those things happen in our life, when we lose our job, when we lose a loved one, when we get sick and have to go to the hospital, that compounds it and makes it hard, harder. But life itself is difficult. So we need to remember people. Uh, and when you, when you run out of things to pray for, start praying that God would strengthen your fellow brother and sister in Christ by his spirit in the inner man. And that's really important. He was revealing what he uh, was praying for. And this is what we have to understand. The first source of a Christian strength is the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, that inner man. How can we uh, do uh, take on the whole armor of God that you might uh, stand against the wiles of the devil through our own strength? No, through the strength of Almighty God which dwells within us. That's the only way that we're a match for the devil. You and I are no match for Satan. We're no match for the demons of hell. Uh, they have greater power than we could even imagine. But yet... Through the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, we are a match for the devil. We are a match for this world. And we can do it. And we can be strengthened in the inner man. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15 down through verse 18. Paul says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So, his abundant grace is for our benefit, but it's for His glory. See, a lot of times Christians get that backwards. Christians think the grace of God was for their glory. How many times have you seen a Christian stick their chest out and talk about, I haven't missed a Sunday. You know, I remember when I was a kid, we'd get those ribbons for perfect attendance. And, you know, I, I didn't always have perfect attendance because we did crazy things as a family. Sometimes we'd go out of town. <laughs> Sometimes we'd go visit family, and I wouldn't get my perfect attendance ribbon. And it wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because I didn't want to be there. But you always had that one little kid, right, that you was always envious of or jealous of because he or she had all those perfect attendance uh, ribbons, and they just rubbed your nose in it. You see, our glory... Uh, the, the, the grace and mercy that God has given us is not for our glory. It's not so that we can be seen. It's so that He can be seen. 
Now, in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he goes on to say, For which cause we faint not. We faint not because it's rebounding to the glory of God. It's for His glory. That's why we don't faint. But, through our, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Did you know that some of the, some of the most spirit-filled people that I have ever talked to have been laying in a hospital bed at the point of death and just filled with the power of God. I went in there to try to help them and I left encouraged and excited. And they're the ones that's getting ready to leave this world. They're the ones laying there in pain. They're the ones that should be uh, discouraged and down, but they're not because it's the inner man. He said, yet the outward man perish. The inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For those things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why we can walk and not faint. That's why we can raise our heads and, and, and go through life with and be encouraged in the inward man. It's because it's all for the glory of God. You see, it's easy to get discouraged when we're in it for ourselves. It's easy to get discouraged when uh, we want to be seen and we want to be noticed. But when we're in this thing to just bring glory to God, that's when the true joy comes. Think about... Uh, you know, I played a lot of sports when I was in school. And think about the person that all they care about is the, the number of points they scored. And the, they don't care if the team wins or loses. They just want to set a new scoring record. They want to beat their best. And it's all about them. Well, you see, when it's all about the team, even the second string player that only got to play for two minutes can have joy because the team won. Because it's about the team. It's not about the individual. And that's the way it is for us. It's about the team. It's about the, the cause of Christ. It's not about you and it's not about me. Now, in verse number 17, that we're renewed and strengthened by His Spirit in the inner man. And in verse number 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height? There's a lot right there. So in verse number 17, he says that we're rooted and grounded in love. Now what does that mean? That means our foundation as Christians is love. Our love, our love for each other, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This whole thing. Why do we come to church? Why are we here? Why are we going to heaven? It's because of the love of God. It's not because of my righteousness or your righteousness or anything that any of us have done or will do or can do. It's the love of God. And that's where we're rooted and grounded. And I love uh, how Paul uh, said that. Not only is it the foundation. What makes an oak tree strong? It's not the leaves. It's not the limbs. It's not even what you can see. It's the roots that are in the ground. It's the roots that keep the wind from blowing that tree over. It's not the strength of the limbs. 
You see, when the world looks at us, they see us. We're the leaves and the limbs. But what makes us strong? It's the roots of God's love that were rooted and grounded. That's our, that's our foundation. And not only that, but the tree flourishes and bears fruit only because of the root. It's the root that feeds the tree. It's the root that strengthens the tree. It's the root that grows the tree. It's, you see, once again, Paul's saying, look, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the love of God. And that's what we need to remember. And that's, listen, that is the message that we need to share with the world. That it's about the love of God. It's not about, you see, we get, we get sometimes a little bit off track and we try to tell the world that they need to stop their sin. No, they need to give their life to Christ. And then Christ can turn their heart around and they will stop their sin. You see, a person can stop sinning. A person can stop drinking. That doesn't get them to heaven. A person can stop cheating on their spouse. That doesn't get them to heaven. What gets them to heaven is when they accept uh, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and when the Holy Spirit moves into their heart, then that sin is destined to be gone. Because the Holy Spirit now takes control and starts convicting our hearts and takes the joy out of it and takes the pleasure out of it. And now we have uh, things that we didn't have before. We have the guilt of sin and we, we, we are trying to do what's right. But we're rooted and grounded in love. Colossians 2 uh, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith, in the faith that ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. See, I can be thankful today, uh, not because I have a lot of money, not because I don't have any problems. I'm thankful because I am rooted and grounded in the love of God. Then, in verse number eighteen, he says, "What what is Paul's desire for us, for you and I?" that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height. Let me ask you a question. What is the width, the breadth of God's... How wide is God's love? How long is God's love? How deep is God's love? How high is God's love? He says, look, I don't, I don't want you to understand the law. I don't want you to understand uh, the intricacies of Bible doctrine or Bible prophecy. Paul says, I want you to understand what is the breadth, height, width, and depth of the love of God. If we understand that, life will be pretty good. Even when life is bad, it can be pretty good if we understand the greatness of Almighty God. Have you ever heard the, the old saying about pizza? Pizza, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. You can still eat a bad pizza. <laughs> You'd rather eat a good pizza. But even bad pizza is still pretty good. But that's what we have to understand. The, 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 the love of God is always good. So even when things are bad, we can still have joy in our hearts. Now listen, Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite scriptures, verse 38 and 39. He says, For I am persuaded... He's confident. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from our righteousness. Nope. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where we're rooted and grounded. That's where that our strength comes from. And that's why we do what we do. And it's why we are where we are. And it's why we're going where we're going. It's all through Jesus Christ. You see, I can get discouraged because I make mistakes. I fail people. I let people down. Not on purpose, but we do that, don't we? And it's easy to get discouraged and say, why did I say that? I hurt that person's feelings. I really didn't mean to, whatever. But you see, we can always be encouraged and have confidence because it's not about me. It's about him. This Christian life is hard enough. But when we start making it about ourselves, it's almost impossible uh, to get through a day. Now, verse number 19, that not only that we can comprehend... (laughs) What is the breadth, length, and depth, and height? And in verse number 19, he says, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying, we want you to know. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ and be filled with um, all the fullness of God. That's, that's Paul's Um, desire is that we can know uh, the love of Christ, that we can know what it is. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, he says, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, this life that we live, salvation is a no-so thing. It's not a think-so, hope-so, maybe-so. It is no-so. And Paul says, I want you to know that you're saved. I want you to know that you're going to heaven. I want you to know the love of God. Then verse number 20, he says, Now unto him, so he says that we might be filled with all the fullness of God, but now unto him that is is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I love, Paul uses such great words. He doesn't just say the riches of God. He says the exceeding abundant riches of God. And here he doesn't just say uh, that that God is able. He says he's able to do not what we ask or think. And that would be great if Paul said that. If Paul said God is able to do whatever you can ask or think. Whatever you can think up, God can do that. Paul said, no, 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 no. God's greater than our ability to even think. He says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above. Think about the hardest thing that you could give God to do. It's nothing. 
He can do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you think would be hard for God. I mean, God stepped out on nothing and said, let there be light. And there was light. <laughs> Try to, can you think of anything harder than that? To create something out of nothing? To just speak it and it happens? He can do a far above anything that we could think or ask according to the power. And Paul just keeps making it better. He didn't say according to his power. He said he can do more than we could even think or ask according to the power that works in us. So where is the power? The power is in God, the Trinity of God, and the Holy Spirit of God lives within us in the inner man, and that's where the power comes from, to do anything abundantly above, exceedingly above, anything that we could think or ask. We're not talking about God doing something in heaven. We're talking about God doing something right here in this place tonight, not through my power, but through the power of the Holy Ghost of God that lives within you and I. And then he wraps up the chapter in verse number 21. And this is what we should think, and this is what we should do, and this is how we should live our lives. He said, Unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. You know when a church gets in trouble? A church gets in trouble when the pastor wants the glory. The church gets in trouble when the deacons want the glory. The church gets in trouble when the family that founded the church wants the glory or when the person wants the glory or when somebody wants to be recognized. The church is in the right place when we have the attitude unto Him be glory in the church. That's the attitude that we must have. By Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Galatians 6.14 But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.9 Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if every tongue's going to confess it, we should be confessing it now. And we should be able to raise our hands and say, To God be the glory. Glory to God. It doesn't matter what trouble we're having today. It doesn't matter what we face. We can still give glory to God for what He has done in our hearts and in our lives through His Son, Jesus Christ. All right, so that wraps up chapter number three, and we will begin chapter four next week.